not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It gives us instructions in life on how you want us to live. We thank you that your word teaches us that we triumph in all things. That you always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Your word declares to us that we're always the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. Your word tells us that if you are for us, who can be against us? So, Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and hear the word of God today from the spirit of God. As I step back now, I thank you for the spirit of God stepping up so that everything you won't say today will be spoken to your people. And I declare in advance that no enemy, no spirit, no evil uh, uh, principality or power will hinder your word from being spoken today. And I declare that our hearts are open. Our minds are receptive and our lives will never be the same. And so we thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following this word today in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today I'm starting a new series entitled Vision for the Next Level. Everybody say vision. For the next level. Vision is critical, in my opinion, to anyone who wants to succeed and reach new levels in their life. In fact, I believe it is important for someone to establish goals for their life. Everybody say goals. Goals. Goals are specific things that you would like to accomplish. And a person, and statistics will show that a person is more likely to achieve goals when they have timelines and accountability connected to them. However, vision is different from goals. Vision is being able to see where you want to be in your life. In other words, goals are things you want to do. Vision is being able to see where you want to be. Goals without vision is like a hamster on a hamster wheel. You're making progress or you're going forward or you're having actions, but you're really not going anywhere. And so you and I must have goals in our life. But in order for us to have effective goals, these goals must derive from vision. Everybody say vision. Vision. Amen. It's like people who don't set financial goals. So when they get extra money or earn extra money, they have nothing to show for it. Why? Because they have not set financial goals for their lives. They don't have vision. Everybody say vision. They don't have vision for their income. And so today, uh, the purpose of this series is to provide you with insight and the understanding of the vision at Word of Truth Family Church so you will know what your part is in carrying it out. 
I will also help you see how important it is to have vision for your own life and provide you with steps on how you can establish vision for you, your family, or even your business. Can I get an amen? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Proverbs chapter 29, Proverbs 29, verse 18. And then we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That was Proverbs 29, 18, and then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to define what vision is up front so you and I can start out on the same page. The, the Bible defines vision as mental sight, revelation, or a dream. Everybody say mental sight, revelation. Or dream. Vision is so important from God's perspective that he, God, believes that without vision, a person cannot maximize their life. I'm going to say that again. Vision from God's perspective is so important because he believes without vision, a person cannot maximize their life. Now, our foundational verse is Proverbs 29. We're going to look at it in actually three different versions of the Bible. Let's start out in the King James Version. It says in Proverbs 29, 18, read it with me, where there is no vision, the people perish. Wow. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, where there is no mental insight, the people perish. Does what? Perish. Now watch this. The word perish means to show lack of restraint or lack control. In other words, when you don't have vision for your life, you don't or you cannot control yourself. See, a budget, touch your neighbor and say he's talking to you already. A budget in your financial life is vision. And when you get a hold of the vision, which is the budget, it will help you to, de de to determine what you should and should not do. Now, this verse, this verse, uh, Proverbs 29, 18, in the basic English Bible says this, where there is no vision, the people are uncontrolled, but he who keeps the law will be happy. The world English Bible says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off constraint, but one who keeps the law is blessed. So vision is designed to bring direction, clarity, and focus. Everybody say vision. vision. Say vision. vision. It's designed to bring direction, clarity, and focus. In other words, it gives us the ability to see where we want to go. And once a person can see where they want to go, then you will know which way you don't want to go. Most people, when it comes to making decisions in life, cannot figure out which way to go because they're not governed by vision. Vision will tell you which way to go. Therefore, it will tell you what not to go. See, the only reason people cheat in a marital relationship is because they really don't have God's biblical view or vision for marriage. When you have a biblical view of marriage, the biblical view says you should have one wife. That's vision. So when the temptation to cheat outside of that wife comes up, your vision already tells you what to do. Therefore, you know what? Come on, help me, church. What? What not to do? Amen. 
And and here's the thing, for us to maximize our lives on this earth, we must have vision for our lives. So let's look at vision now from God's perspective and from God's priority. And then after that, we'll look at developing vision for our individual lives. So let me start out by asking a major question. And here's the question. Why did God create you and us? You and me. You and I. One of those. Why did God create you and I? Now, before I answer the question, which I'm going to explain it to you, before I answer that question, let me explain something to you. When you were created to do something, it can be different from being gifted to do something. I'm going to say that again. When you're created to do something, it can be different from what you are gifted to do something. In other words, you can be gifted to play football, cut hair, repair computers. But if you make what you're gifted to do to become what you are created to do, then what happens when you're not able to do that anymore? In other words, the average lifespan of an NFL player is about three years. So if I feel that I have been created to play football and my three years, if I ever make it to the NFL, once my three years are up, if I felt that I was created to play football, then now when I'm done, man, life's not going to have meaning to me anymore. Amen. In other words... When you confuse what you're gifted to do with what you're created to do, the moment you're no longer able to do that, life will no longer have meaning, value, and purpose. And that's what's happening in our world today. That's what happened to all of these athletes who still try to live in the glory days. Have y'all ever watched Napoleon Dynamite? How many have seen that movie? Uh, What was his name? Uncle Roscoe? Uh, Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico was still stuck back in the day where he played quarterback for his high school team. And there are people today from athletes, from entertainers, that, that watch this now, they put all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength into doing something, listen, that they were gifted to do, but in their mind they were created to do it. And once they couldn't do it no more, life doesn't have meaning. That's not how God created us. Amen. So there is something that God has created each one of us to do. And when we discover what that is, fulfillment will begin in our lives. So now let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Because now I'm about to help some of you all answer the question, what was I created to do? Everybody's trying to find their special niche in life. But what I'm going to do today is make it very plain. Touch your neighbor and say, this is very plain. I'm going to make it very plain on why God created you. I'm not talking about now what he's gifted you to do. Okay, because just because God's gifted you to do something does not mean he's created you to do that. See, I'm gifted to cut hair. I mean, if I cut your hair, you wouldn't want nobody else in the the world to cut your hair. Okay, I'm gifted to cut hair, but I'm not called to cut hair no more. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Watch what it says. For we, touch your neighbor and say, you are we. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you are a we. 
For we are his workmanship, watch this, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 is saying. It is actually giving us the reason why we were created. He says we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So if you want to know why God created you, the really the only reason why God made sure that your mama and daddy got together. You say, well, I don't know my daddy. It doesn't matter. He made sure you or your mama and your daddy got you here because he knew when you got here, he had already created you to do something. And the scripture says, once we are in Christ Jesus, we were created to do good works. And then he goes on to say, which God has before ordained. In other words, he not only created you to do good works, he created you to do them before you even got here. The word created there, watch this now, this is powerful. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. It means to fabricate or to manufacture. In other words, that verse would read like this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus Created in Christ Jesus, manufactured in Christ Jesus to do good works. So God has manufactured us to do good works. Everybody say God God. has manufactured us to do good works. Now we're going to make that personal say God God. has manufactured me me. to do good works. And listen, true fulfillment can only come. When the creation of a thing is doing what the creator has manufactured it to do. I'm going to say that again. True fulfillment can only come when the creation of a thing is doing what the creator has manufactured it to do. Now, I'm about to introduce a new term to you this morning. And it's THP. If you're taking notes, that stands for take home point. In other words, this is a point that I want you to get. From the lesson, as you go on throughout the week, here's the take home point this week. Our fulfillment will come when we commit our lives to doing good works. Fulfillment will come when we commit our lives to do good works. Why? Because that's why God has created us. Now, I'm about to give you several scriptures that confirm we have been designed, created, and manufactured to do good works. The first one is Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration or God breathed and is profitable. Say profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here's verse 17 where we point out good works. He says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all what class? All good works. Titus chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 says young men. See that includes everybody. See I used to think when I was younger that I'll get older before I start serving the Lord. But first of all, you have to ask yourself the question, are you going to live long enough to make it that far? Amen. 
Young men likewise exhort to be sober minded. Watch verse 7. In all things young men showing yourself a pattern of what? Of good works. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says. And let us consider one another church to provoke unto love and to what? And to good works. Here's 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. This is the last one. He says to Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse verse 18. That they, who, who are the they? The they that have money, the they who are rich, that they do what? Good, that they be rich in what? Good works. Well, what does that mean? What are they supposed to do with the good works? Ready to distribute. Now, I love the living Bible because it really clarifies what being rich is all about. How many want to be rich? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand if you want to be rich. Now, good. Put your hand down. Now, some of y'all going, they're not humble. You know, uh, uh, I had recently, I had a, a, a pastor ask me. In front of another person, they had this, they weren't debating. They wanted to see what I was going to say. You know, in the Bible, when the Pharisees and Sadducees was talking to Jesus, a lot of times they just was asking him questions, trying to catch him. So these two guys, one of them is a pastor and the other one was a member of the pastor's church. They said, Pastor Evan, we want to ask you a question. I said, what is it? They said, is it okay to pray and ask God for a Mercedes? And they looking at me like, oh, we got him, we got him, we got him, we got him. I said, well, is it okay to ask and pray and ask God for a Toyota? They weren't ready for that. Because some people have been mentally conditioned that if it's good, it's not God. But if it's poverty, if it's lack, that's humility. But let me say this, God don't care what kind of car you drive as long as you can maintain it. Amen. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But their pride and trust in should be in the living God, which always gives us richly what we need for our enjoyment. Watch verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do what? To do good. They should be rich in what? good works and should happily watch this happily to give though to those in need always being ready to share with others whatever God has given in other words why am I emphasizing good works because if you don't have the foundation for why you were created you will never have proper vision for your life I'm going to say that again. If you don't have the proper foundation for why God created you, you will never have proper vision for your life. In other words, what I'm saying is you have to have the foundation of God created me to do good works. Once you know that now, you when you scope out vision for your life, it will include that. Because see, some people's vision is so what I call ingrown toenail oriented. Have you ever had an ingrown toenail? Let me see your hand if you have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they are just, they they are irritating. Ingrown toenails is is a nail that has decided to grow in itself. And people who are like that is when it's all about them. Their money is about them. 
Amen. What they do, if it doesn't profit them, I'm not doing that. What is it? It doesn't do nothing for me. Well, God has created us to do good works. And there are two types of good works. Everybody say two types. Number one, you have natural good works, or I have another name, worldly good works. And then you have spiritual good works, or I'm going to call this one kingdom good works. Now, let me just explain a little bit about the two. Because natural good works or worldly good works, they're fine. But these are things that may, watch this now, it may impact humanity, but it doesn't have a kingdom perspective to it. Nobody has a problem if you're going to support the United Way or uh, whatever these uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. And none of these are bad. None of these are bad. And you know what? The world will applaud you if you do that. But they have a problem now when you start committing your resources to now impact the kingdom of God. Here's the difference between worldly good works and spiritual or kingdom good works. The difference is I'm doing good works that is going to impact a person and their eternal destination. Amen. Because you can feed the poor all you want to and they can go to hell. I mean, Jesus fed the poor, but he also fed them the word too. Amen. Now, let me remind you, Ephesians 2.10 said that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So, there is a difference between the kingdom works and the natural works. And, uh, and these spiritual or kingdom good works should come, watch this now, from a God-given vision. Everybody say a God-given vision. And a God-given vision will always come from a God-appointed leader. And so let me show you how the kingdom works. And I wish someone would have broken this down for me earlier as a believer. When God wants something done, he will always prepare, equip, appoint, and call a person that he's designed to do that. And then after that person has been faithful over someone else's stuff, then now that's proving ground that he can trust you with his stuff. Let's see, the scripture says that once we're faithful over another man's, God will give us our own. And sometimes we want to skip the proving ground. The proving ground of you having your own business is you being faithful over the business you work at now. Can I say this to you with all respect? I know you think you work for General Motors or Kraft or whoever you may work for. I think I, 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 I believe you think you may work for them, but let me just give you a different perspective. Whose name is on the check? Huh? Whose name is on the check? When they give you that check, whose name is on there? Your name is on there, which means you are working for you. Touch your neighbor and say, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So let me show you how the kingdom works. Typically, when God gives you a vision, it's going to always be bigger than you. In other words, you can't do it alone. So what will happen is God will supply the person that he's already prepared, equipped, and appointed. He will give that person people to bring this vision to pass. And see, that's why if you want to be an entrepreneur, okay, it can't, your, your motive in being one cannot just be what you can get out of it. Because, the, the, listen, that contradicts the, the design that God's created you to do. He's created you to do what? 
good works. So as an entrepreneur, you have to start out with the heart of what can I do good that's going to help some people. Okay. And so God always give you more people. When you faithful, he's going to give you some more people because the vision he's got for you is bigger than just you. Remember Nehemiah? Once he put the vision to rebuild the wall in Nehemiah's heart, what happened? God gave Nehemiah some men to help him carry it out. Remember David? When God appointed him or anointed him to be king, eventually God gave David some men to support him as king. We call them David's mighty men. Remember Jesus? Well, God gave Jesus a, a, a destined, uh, uh, something to do here, a responsibility here on earth. And then he turned around and gave him 12 disciples to make sure it got done. So let's now close in Acts chapter 16. Let's go to Acts 16. Because I'm going to show you now, and we're still on the spiritual part. I'm going to show you at the end how to activate vision for your life personally. Acts chapter 16, we're going to see here. What God does when he wants something done here on earth. Here's another take-home point. This is the second one for today's message. Vision is always given to one for the benefit of many. Vision is always, everybody say vision. Vision. Is always given to one for the benefit of many. Amen. And listen, you want to grow your life, grow, listen, if you want to get married, Most of us have the wrong perspective as singles to even get married. Because being married is about a partnership. Being married is not about what the person can do for you. Being married is about what you can do for that person. Listen, you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So when you get married, once you start making it all about you, you ingrown toenail. Once you start making it about you, you know what's going to happen. You're going to become miserable and that relationship is going to go down because God never made you or created you to be a taker. He created you to be a giver. When challenges come in your relationship, that's your opportunity to figure out how you can love this person better. Amen. Pastor Sarah is going through these changes in life. You know, you know, you know, changes. And I'm trying to figure out ways how to love this woman better than why I loved her before. Amen. Instead of instead of being like, well, you didn't used to be like that. Forget about all that. People change. Change is good. You ain't the same person. You don't even have the same amount of hair on your head no more. Amen. Let me get back focused here. (laughs) Acts 16, look at verse 9 quickly. It says, and a vision appeared to who? To Paul. Who did the vision appear to? To Paul, it didn't say the vision appeared to them all. Everybody's not going to see it. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia. He prayed saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he, everybody say that's singular. After he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we, everybody say that's plural. We endeavored to go into Macedonia. And surely gathering, watch this, that the Lord had called who? 
us, that's now a group effort. He's called us to preach the gospel unto them. Notice that the vision that God gave Paul became the people's vision and not the other way around. Amen. That's why you cannot successfully have a congregation dictated church. Because everybody's perspective is going to be different. That's not how God works. He uses an individual. And so what happened? God called Paul. or uh, He saw this vision. And he communicated this vision. And that's why you in this room are sitting here. You're sitting here because one day, while Pastor Eben was minding his own business, praying to the Lord as a single person, I'm praying, I'm praying, and the Lord says, Eben, I want you to preach my word. I'm like, who is that? I was 27. No, I was 26. He told me he wanted me to preach. And uh, that was not on my agenda for life. Amen. And so what happened is God started dealing with me. And see, there are three phases to this thing. Everybody say the calling, the confirmation, and the sending. You're here in this room because the vision that God gave me. He told me when I was around 25, 26 that I was going to be, uh, that I was going to be a pastor. I didn't start till I was 40. When the vision now, when it was time to come to pass, he needed to give some people to help me do this thing that he wanted me to do. And that's why you're here in this room. Listen, but I want you to notice with these people with, with Paul. It said in verse, watch this verse 10. After he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Watch this. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us. These people's calling came out of the vision that Paul had. And some of you all are going to discover the calling that God has on your life as you connect to the vision at this church. Amen. Amen. So you have the calling, and that requires a yes. You wonder when the Lord told me he wanted me to preach, boy, I struggle. Because I didn't want to do that. It wasn't on the agenda for my life. And he wouldn't let it go until I said yes. Everybody say yes. yes. So the calling requires a yes. But then the next step is the confirmation. And see, the confirmation requires a trust. Because you should not be the only one to know what God's calling you to be. God had to use other people to confirm in my life what he was calling me to do. And we have lots of people, and this is no disrespect, and I'm not throwing shade in the daytime. But there are some churches that should not even exist today. God didn't call them. They called themselves. And it's easy to discover. It's kind of hard to figure out which ones because the ones that call themselves don't have a lot of fruit. So you got the confirmation. Then here's you, you have the sending. And all you got to do is go back and read Acts chapter 13 because uh, it talked about where Saul and Barnabas, the Holy Spirit, called them and separated them. So let me, let me close with this right here. I was working in a church years ago. 
And the Lord, like the Spirit of God, will come on me. Because I'm about to help somebody right now. I'm about to help you. Touch your neighbor and say, pay attention. I'm closing right now. Uh, it's like the Spirit of God will come on me to quit this job. And I was like, I'm not quitting my job. What am I going to do? And I would fight that spirit. You know how the spirit be on you? Be like, I'm going to stuff, stuff that spirit all the way down. Stuff, 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 stuff. And after this was happening like three and four times, one, one day I just got fed up with the Lord. I said, you know what? It came on me again. Like, I want you to quit. I want you to quit. And what I didn't know, which I'm trying to help somebody today, what I did know is that it wasn't about him wanting me to quit. He was just wanting me to say yes. Evan, the next phase of what I want you to do is coming. Say yes. I didn't know that. So I kept saying no, 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 no. So finally, out of upsetness, I said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, fine. I'll quit today. If that's what you want, I'll quit. And once I say that, he let it go. It was like it lifted off of me. But I knew at that point now, instructions were coming. And through fasting and prayer, the Lord told me, I want you to start a church. And he told me where he wanted me to start it. What's interesting in that, you know, we knew that during this season, Pastor Sarah and I, we knew transition was coming. So we had a big old map on our bedroom wall. I'm trying to show you how to help get vision for your life right here, though. And so on this wall, we had a map. And so we prayed and, and we felt the Lord wanted us to go to Florida to start a church. Lakeland, Florida. That's where we were going. That's where we were going. We had told our pastors, hey, God's telling us to Florida. And how do we do that? And so he said, hey, get on the radio. Let them hear your voice first. I thought, okay, that's what Paul did. He sent letters. Okay. They didn't have radio, but they did have letters back then. So he'd send a letter and let them read it. I said, oh, radio. But then God changed his mind. God can change his mind. I don't know if you knew that. That's why you don't just run with what God said to you 10 years ago. Go back and revisit God. He changed his mind with Abraham, uh, with Lot, or killing those people, didn't he? He said, I'm gonna, if, you, if you find 10 righteous, then he got down to five, and then he was like, look, there ain't none in here. Let's just wipe them out. <laughs> so, he told me he wanted to be in Arlington. I said, fine. And it was through this vision that Word of Truth Family Church has been birthed. Word of Truth started with 22 people. And we have a vision here that I want you to recite with me. What is the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church? To know Christ. So here's the key as we close right here. What is the best way to get kingdom vision for your life? Here's the first one. This is an activation key. The best way to find God's call and vision for your life on earth is to participate in a God-given vision from heaven. I'm going to say that again. How, what's the first step in getting vision for your life? Vision for your family. Vision for your business. The best way to find God's call and vision for your life on earth is to participate in a God-given vision from heaven. And that's why you're here. But see, some of you all, how many had to ride the bus before? You had to ride the bus? You had to ride the bus? Okay. Some of you, Word of Truth Family Church is the bus. You've gotten on the bus, but you don't get off the bus. In other words, the purpose of getting on the bus is to get to your destination, right? Well, when you get on this, when you get in this church, it's not just for you to get in it. God wants you to do something. 
So I have a declaration that I'm going to declare over y'all. I want you to stand up here because we're getting ready to move. And God's trying to prepare us for this move. Amen. And church, God has graced Word of Truth Family Church with a brand new facility so that we can do ministry at the next level. Say, I believe that. We know the word now, but it's time now to show the word. Say, I received that. God has blessed many of us financially, but now it's time for us to serve sacrificially. Say, I received that. We know how to do ministry at a mobile level, but now it's time to do ministry at a building level. Say, I received that. And I declare to you in the name of Jesus that you and I are well able to take that land and possess that building. Say, I receive that. I declare that the greater works that Jesus said we can do will be done at 8201 Web Pharaoh. Say, I receive that. I declare that you will participate in the vision that God has given us and you will discover the calling or the next level of calling for your life. Say, I believe that. I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that you will discover and release every gifting, every calling, every talent, and every ability that God has given you. Say, I believe that. And we as a church will take the kingdom of darkness by storm. Say, I believe that. Because God is, uh, listen, he's waiting for us. And we can do nothing but work for the kingdom. I declare that thousands of souls will be saved at this new facility. Say, I believe that. Thousands of families will be restored at this facility. Say, I receive that. Thousands of children will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Say, I receive that. And thousands of people will join Word of Truth Family Church. Say, I believe that. And I receive that. Give the Lord a hand clap right there if you do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are some people God's dealing with you.